last time on Dice Funk. A scar that goes across the forehead, maybe across one eye, so one eye is not opening quite as well as it did before, something like that. All right, he slashes you across the face and you go down. Justice works in weird ways. <laughs> it works in fantastically ironic ways. Arcs the sword uh, from between his legs <laughs> up through the rest of his body, up through the center of his face. Grace got her hands on the first frost. The hydra that is bound to it cast a protective ice spell on her, the freezing sphere, which protected her from the tower falling on her. And you can see through it that the hydra is frozen inside with her. Probably noticing something about the barrier, or is there a barrier anymore? And Ilium is just a rural town outside of a bigger kingdom with nothing special about it anymore. Well, what's my next mission? (laughs) What do you need me to do? Guilt has left our world, and something has come to take its place. I need you to find out what has arrived so that I can be the only one to possess it. If we don't live together, we're going to die alone. It's been fun, boss. Claire shakes her hand and Carrie just walks off. She's out. Yeah, I want to run this place together. And when she says uh, together, she she looks out sort of to the crowd, to everybody. Martis is going to send a message to Elias Valamin. Archmage of Mithrandain, capital Eladrin city in the Feywild. What do you say? I'm alive. Lucas is dead. Barrier surrounding Ilium down. Help is on the way. Yo, thanks for the zombie backup, Iris. At first I thought they were going to attack us, uh, but apparently you're chill. So thanks for being chill. (laughs) It seems pretty obvious that my whole plan of uh, roll right up to to all of Danto's lackeys and go, hey, I'm that badass that killed everyone is not going to be super convincing, so... The race is on. If you guys can get on a boat and get to Akamoros before word reaches, then... Nice bone throne. (laughs) It's been a while since I've worked with someone with refined taste. Considering the state of the world, I like that our show is where we can acknowledge the complexity of people. Like we had almost all of our antagonists earlier in the season be people who were redeemable or had a really compelling reason for their actions or, you know, there's always shades of gray. And then we got to the fascist cop and our first instinct was to cut his face and dick in half. (laughs) And I just love that about us. I'm very proud of us. I I like how some people will say like, uh, we're trying to indicate that like, Hmm, Roland is no longer serving justice but being vindictive. Like, first and foremost, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And secondly, we're trying to, I don't know, one-up ourselves when it comes to each significant kill. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what can we do to make this more outlandish almost? And I'm like, okay, let's just uh, cut cut him in half. You, you just wait until the time that Veltari hypnotic patterns someone so hard they explode. It's going to be like a very vicious image. Well, what, what happens to be vicious mockery someone and crit, and then they die from that? Just imagine, just their head explodes. It'd be like scanners. You're a piece of shit and their head explodes. All right, so this week we have plenty of places to start. We have a lot of storylines going on. I think... To get the most people in the mix right away, let's go to Agarthen, mm. the Ninsen Chapel specifically, where Roland Hawklight, uh, Mara Sladen, and Veltari are fugitives <laughs> because they just murdered a bunch of cops. 
Mm-hmm. And now they need to get on a boat and go to Akamoros, the island nation where formerly Count and current Lord Danto, the head vampire that is the cause of a lot of strife, mm-hmm. is currently residing. So the question is, mm-hmm. on your guys' way to the port, are you going to sneak? Are you going to walk confidently and anybody who confronts you is going to get uh, smooth talked? How are you guys actually planning to get across town? So, like, there's no one that we're aware of left alive who knows that, like, me and Roland are buddy buddies or anything, right? Like, nobody escaped. Wouldn't it be possible for Roland to basically dress up like one of the vampire paladins, effectively, since they have their faces covered? <laughs> and and since Mara has been working with them and Veltari doesn't look like, you know... Absolutely. As you guys point out, um, you've kept killed all of the witnesses. So <laughs> it was that for, except for one. And there was something that we should have done with that witness, but I don't know if we have time for that. So we can deal with that later on. Uh, what are we referring to? Uh, Iris. Oh, I wasn't counting as her, her as a witness. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to have a scene with Iris before you leave, you can. There's, there's one thing that was bugging me, and I felt like it's important to kind of bring this up because... Mm-hmm. Uh, after seeing what happened during the fight, there would have been a couple of like gears that would have turned in Roland's head and something would have been like, wait a minute. So uh, as they're sort of gathering supplies and as Roland is basically putting together the armor that the paladins had, which I'm going to assume is plate armor, uh, as this is happening, Roland sort of, he's going to take a moment to regard and say to her, Iris, can I, can I ask you a simple question? Uh, I can't stop you. So you were the one that was able to make those those people move like that earlier. I gotta hand it to you. You are the world's greatest detective. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. So were you sending people to where I was? Or were you just sending people out for no specific reason? That's a long story, honey. I don't know if that's <sighs> something you, you have bigger problems than me and my drama. Irrespective of what your reasons are, I have to... I have to say thank you for that. If you hadn't sent the the body of my old friend where you did, I uh, would have never been able to unravel this. Veltari and I would not have been able to discover what was happening here, and we would have we wouldn't have made an effort to make it all the way out here. If you want to thank me, can you answer a simple question in return? Certainly. Do you know any Nixies? I do. I take it that's somewhat related to why you were sending those those persons our way. Yeah, we have unfinished business. If you're looking for a Nixie, there's only one that I know of, and currently she's back where Veltari and I came from. <laughs> so I heard you couldn't ever leave that place, but you guys here you stand. How the barrier surrounding the town of Ilium was sustained by a manifestation of guilt itself, and therefore, by following through on its terms regarding internalizing your own guilt, you're allowed to leave. Playing some dragon chess helps. (laughs) I'm not sure I understood all that, but my takeaway is it's no longer a suicide mission to go in there and get her. Having been around her for a while, She's very powerful, and she has powerful allies. So do proceed with caution if you do so. I'll still probably stick around long enough to make sure they don't burn down the church, but... I appreciate it. I guess I have 
future plans now. Thank you. Thank you in return, and hopefully we might see each other again when situations aren't as desperate. The next time we meet, hopefully you won't have just pissed off any violent racists. Doubtful. So I assume during this, Veltari, you are using uh, prestidigitation to clean the Order of the Merciful Sword uniforms so they're not disgusting and organ-covered. In Indeed, like... If if we're going if we're going with like trying to to pass Roland off as as Order of the Merciful Sword, then definitely like let's not make it look like like he's just been murdered in his in his <laughs> uniform. So all of you guys can actually dress up that way if you want, just for extra cover. The next question is, do you guys have enough money for a boat? It's been oh. so long since any of us have had to think about money being in a weird closed ecosystem that I have no idea if any of us have any money. Earlier in this campaign, one of the wild magic effects caused Zoe to spew gold coins everywhere. Ask yourself, honestly, would your character have kept any of that? Because that could solve this, but if that's not something you think you would have done, then we need to do a different quest to get you guys some boat fare or maybe explore alternative boating options. Roland probably wouldn't have, but... Were you saying but? I was saying but. I was, I was, I was your cue to jump in like, but Veltari would have. Here's the thing, like, on a moral front, I think Veltari, uh, Veltari totally would have. I don't know whether, like, she'd have thought to be like, hey, I'm gonna go... Well, no, yeah, we did know before going into the, uh, into the mirror that, like, we were preparing to leave. So I think Veltari would have taken some money. Okay, that's a valid character choice. Uh, if you guys have enough money for boat fare and you have disguises so no one will stop you, then you guys can go unimpeded to the harbor and charter a boat to Akamoros. Easy peasy. Hooray, something that didn't go terribly wrong yet. <laughs> that could have been an entirely different thing where you guys had to like stage a robbery to get gold and also like roll stealth to sneak through alleyways and stuff. This could have been a protracted two-episode storyline, but... I, I think going for the slightly compressed version helps also allow us to do that little extra. That's more boat time. All right. So I just want to say real quick that we didn't get much of Agarthin, but it's a pretty standard fantasy kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like you guys have seen it in many a Western RPG and fantasy novel. There's nothing particularly interesting, but I will point out that the streets are pretty heavily patrolled by Order of the Merciful Sword. Uh, soldiers, you guys get the sense that they're pretty ingrained in the culture. And I mean, Roland, you would know that sure. it's the dominant religion and everything. But like, since being militarized, it's a pretty big deal. And you guys would have met heavy resistance if not for your good disguise plan. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so you make your way across town. You guys uh, hand over some gold to someone who's chartering boats. And you guys get on a ferry. Uh, Akamoros is an island nation. It's all alone out there, and there are some other people on this boat, but most of them are minding their own business, and you guys get on. Is there anything you want to do around this time? Any kind of conversations you want to have as you kind of just file on and sit down? I, I think Valdari at this point has probably not been talking much along this journey. I think she's she's been doing a lot of just trying to work out what she wants to do on the other side of this, because I think... Uh, this is something we sort of like touched on a little bit at the end of last episode, but I think Veltari is very much having a bit of an internal monologue about like, hey, I got through the guilt barrier. I don't need to be the person I had to be to get out. I think Mara's going to notice that Veltari looks like sad or contem 
contemplative. Yeah, I think more contemplative than sad. I don't think this is necessarily like a moping or anything. Uh, so she's going to be like, slap a shoulder. Like, not a shoulder. <laughs> slap a shoulder on your shoulder. <laughs> Roll acrobatics to slap a shoulder on that shoulder. No, just slap a hand on your shoulder and be like, hey, are you still beating yourself up? Ah, a little bit. Seems to be what I've been, uh, pretty much all I've been good at recently, beating myself up. It's a whole, it's a whole character arc for me at the moment. <laughs> well, listen, let me tell you a thing. So, you know how I just set a bunch of those vampires on fire, right? Yeah. I wasn't supposed, I was not supposed to do that. See, I've always had a problem controlling my temper, we'll call it. I've always been quick to punch, not quick to think. So I was trying, I've been trying, you know, to do this whole vow of pacifism thing. So to try and get my anger under control, because maybe you shouldn't just set everything on fire all the time. But as you see, I failed. And I mean, it worked because I set them all on fire. But basically what I'm trying to tell you is sometimes change is hard and it takes time to get there. And as long as you're trying, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect, I think. I get you in theory. In theory, I get this whole idea of it's going to be a rocky road, but you come out the other side fine and you'll be a better person for it. But I I went years just getting stuff done. Things came effortlessly. I just rocked up, did my thing, rolled out. Everything was good. And this new option almost got me killed the first time I tried to do anything. If I were to interject here, Yo. one thing about Mara here is that while she doesn't always abide by her vow of pacifism, the point is, is that even when she is abiding by it, she is still the same person. If something is out of line, if someone is making a mistake, she is usually the first person to call them out on it, even if she's not resorting to violence as a result of it. Look, honestly, what feels different is I feel like I've just lost my edge. Like, I had a confidence behind me that just fueled everything I did. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to recapture that because the confidence came out of me telling myself that, like, telling myself I could do anything and proving it through my actions. <laughs> I love that Veltari loses an eye and her main issue is her self-esteem <laughs> oh no a veltari totally thinks the missing eye looks badass and that's the thing is it's like oh what why am i not just going fuck yeah missing eye i look cool like i i think the fact that she's not super pumped about that is kind of the problem but <laughs> I, I guess i guess the other way to say it is what's stopping you from being confident about being able to do anything the fact that the only way I know how to do anything is being a manipulative, nasty piece of work. I mean, use that, but turn it on the bad guys. Like, you can still, like, metaphorically set things on fire. Does it have to be only metaphorically? <laughs> oh, no, no, I highly suggest setting things on fire. It's very therapeutic. Appreciate the words. I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna... I'll I'll work it out. I I'm going to think less and just try and do a bit more. 
Veltari, as you declare that, a couple more people get on the boat. Um, the the last people actually, as the horn blares and they start to untie it from the dock. And as these people walk on, you guys see them notice you, and you're all in your merciful sword disguises, and they actually like salute you, like thankful for your service. I salute back. Oh no, I was gonna say gentle nod back because. If they're saluting us, it means that we have a position of elevated status, and as such, don't salute back. That that suggests that you view them of the same level. Well, are they in armor too? No, they're just like random skinheads. Oh, okay. Then I guess I'll just like do the sup nod. They seem comforted by your presence. <laughs> Little do they know. Mm-hmm. They seem like somebody maybe you would have had to fight if you were yourselves here. <laughs> Little mm. do they know we are off to bash the fash. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been waiting on that one, huh? Uh, I've been sat on that for a little while. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, though. Wonderful. Uh, so back in Ilium, since the tower went down and people had a moment of crisis, they have since come together uh, with new hope as the Legrand sisters lend helpful ears and assistance to anybody. Uh, more specifically, Claire, as leader of the Lilies, helps people get things they need, whether it's alcohol or weapons or food. And Zoe is more of the emotional support. She is kind of the... she She's the good cop. Claire's the bad cop. Um, I think actually the former avant-garde's headquarters is just like <laughs> Winifred put a sign up outside that just says mayor's office and people come over and just when they need someone to talk to or someone to listen or whatever kind of help Zoe can give. Uh, Zoe, anything specific you're up to? Uh, Winifred's floating around. He has a clipboard. He's trying to help you organize things because you're just kind of settling in. I have uh, several things I imagine she's doing. I don't know if you wanted me to like list off the things that she does to help like citizens in an everyday situation or if like specifically who she's like going out to talk with now or something like that. I mean, you can summarize and give kind of generalities and then we can dive into some specifics that if they require more. Okay, uh, well, I guess the way I should actually start is by explaining what uh, Zoe got with her level up, mm -hmm. since that's kind of uh, relevant to a lot of the stuff she's going to be doing. So with her new level up, Zoe took uh, one level in Bard. Hey, 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 encroaching on territory. <laughs> it should be noted that she's not doing it for the musical aspect at all. Uh, it's mostly the spell slots and the flavor kind of fit what I want Zoe to go for. So uh, I imagine if there was a politician class it would be a bard so I, I i demand that you at least one of your political rallies is sung if you're taking bard i do have the drum still i don't think i've <gasps> lost that proficiency so oh. she, she might do like interpretive drumming the drums justified it's okay you're, you're allowed to be a bard <laughs> cool uh so she took a level in bard and because of that she gets a, a couple new spells that she uses to help some of the people at ilium for example one of the spells she took was sleep uh which she uses to help uh some of the giants like ishmael who kind of deal with chronic stress from being above ground all the time so it's just a way to kind of therapeutically help them get to sleep so they aren't they're not as anxious mm -hmm. uh she also took cure wounds to help people in town if they need healing uh and she also took speak with animals and I want to talk to the shark and the elephant right now. Do it. <laughs> I want to know what the shark and the elephant sound like. Right now. Those are your demands. Right now. All right. I guess we'll start with Reginald the shark. Um, Sweet. Uh, so you, so what do you say? You walk up to the shark's tank. People have like thrown in some food in there for him. He's, uh, he's eating it. Uh, so I'll cast speak with animals. And then Zoe will say, 
Hi. Food? Uh, no, not food. You look like you have food. Food, murder, kill. Wow, okay, that's aggressive. Uh, what's your name? (laughs) (laughs) Me. Just meat? Me. He doesn't have a sense of self. (laughs) He is me. You are you. Okay. So some of the people around town came to calling you Reginald. Do you think you like Reginald? People, town, food? Are they food? Uh, they will bring you food. They're not food. If someone in town falls into this, this, this pool, please don't eat them. (laughs) They're not food. Do they taste good? No, they taste awful. Not food. But they bring food that tastes good. Acceptable arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) Your vocabulary increases wildly at times. (laughs) If you backtalk your food... (laughs) uh well so i'm just checking in to see if you need anything besides food are you are you happy here is this an okay arrangement for you or do you need like more space or something i don't know what sharks need more space good yeah well let me see if i can find some people to help out with that like how big do you need do you need like plants or something down there or ocean all right, that might be tough. I think the ocean is really far, but uh, what's we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll put a pin in that and see what we can do with that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm trying to imagine the way Reginald views you right now because <laughs> you brought you promised him food and you promised to look into getting him into the ocean. So he's just like, we'll vote for you, <laughs> <laughs> gerrymander my district. <laughs> Oh, well, I really am a politician. I'm getting pets to vote for me and everything. Mm-hmm. You're bribing him. He's he's 100% for it. He loves bribery. All right, cool. So I'll get back in touch with you some other time, Reginald. You uh, enjoy that food. Do you like jam, by the way? Does it bleed? Juice from a fruit is in a one way kind of like bleeding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a, that's some twisting of logic there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a politician's answer. If you cut a fruit, does it not bleed? No! It does. Well, it's kind of like blood. All right, what other animals do you want to speak to, Zoe? Uh, obviously, the new elephant in town. All right, Mr. Bigglesworth, I believe? I gave him a name before I spoke with him. I should see if he wants a name. Maybe he has a sense of self. Cool. I might I might have shown him like himself in a mirror, and maybe he's, he's gained it, and he's like, <laughs> Ralph... So you go to the elephant who's just kind of roaming around town. It doesn't need a specialized enclosure or anything. So you guys have just kind of been leaving it to its own devices. And it does a trunk noise at you. What is that called? A honk? What's a, somebody is a zoologist in the house. What is a trunk noise called? Trumpet. Uh, a trumpet. Yeah. And he trumpets at you. I like the idea. He honks at me instead. Like this giant elephant shows up. And it's just like. Meep, meep. <laughs> <laughs> honk, honk. Meep, meep. Hi. Uh, how are you? Uh, my name's Zoe. Ah, talking person. Well, no, because, uh, well, I used, you know what? Uh, yeah, screw it. I used magic, and now we're talking. How are you? Frightened. Oh, don't, don't, don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. I'm, I'm here as a friend. I wanted to, uh, well, first apologize, because I think I'm the reason you're here. But, uh, secondly, I wanted to see if there's anything I could do for you. For me? For you. My good friend. What does an elephant that came into existence yesterday understand of friendship? These are the deep philosophical <laughs> questions that our podcast asks. <laughs> the elephant says, are there any other me's? Uh, not elephants specifically, no. But there are other animals in town. You know we're not all the same, right? 
No, but I just mean if you're referring to other animals, then... No, I want other people to look like me. You're small, and you set off my, like, snake alarm. I think I keep thinking I'm going to step on you and you're going to bite me, and I don't like it. No, uh, well, you know what? Let me let me introduce you to somebody who's really big, uh, more around your size, that you might be less afraid of. And I'm going to take the elephant to wolf. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, so you take the elephant to wolf, who also has Mr smooches the turtle and he's just he's just starting a nature preserve over there <laughs> the barrier's down so like squirrels and stuff are coming in to check out the situation and he's just he's a park ranger now hey wolf uh how's how things going hey pretty good i i know you're the mayor is that like i, I don't really know what that means are you like the super popo or is it different i didn't pay attention to social studies so i don't actually know but i'm just zoe so don't don't worry about it okay i won't <laughs> Cool. Uh, hey, so you may have noticed there's an elephant in town now, and he doesn't, he, he's not cool with some people like me who are kind of smaller than him. He thinks I'm a snake. So would you be able to help take care of him? Hell yeah. Show him around. Show him all the cool places to hang out. He eat taters? Uh, hey, elephant, <laughs> do you eat taters? I don't understand what that means. <laughs> they're potato, yeah, well, they're just grab a tater. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so th- you guys are going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Zoe, you've set up a nature preserve with Wolf as your park ranger. I love that. That's how it was meant to be. You've turned this town around already. Yeah, already. It's like uh, two town points. There's like five smiling faces in the bottom corner of the screen. <laughs> okay, it's, it's now a city builder. <laughs> Take that, Peter Molyneux, asshole. The other thing I'd want to do is I uh, imagine I already probably have uh, some people who I've asked, like maybe the rocks already doing it. But I imagine uh, any spare time Zoe kind of has right now, she's uh, is spending sifting through uh, the rubble of the tower to try to collect as many uh, glass shards, mirror shards as they can. Yeah, everybody's helping out, especially people with like telekinesis like Claudia and stuff can easily sift through that stuff and collecting it um, right now. Grace Rosemary is uh, has unthawed but she needs some time. She's traumatized, as you might imagine. So people are taking care of her right now. She's, you know, getting rest and she'll she'll be available to talk soon. But but yeah, that's definitely a thing we're going to need to talk about because we, we like to make jokes about animals, but also something really screwed up happened in this town and we're going to have to deal with it at some point. One step at a time. This is Animal Crossing, Ilium, you know, basically just talking to all the animals, collecting other rent. Claire is Tom Nook <laughs> now. Oh, I need to uh, I need to talk with Sylvia. I need to get her uh, to join the lilies. Okay, so you're going to go over to Sylvia. Um, actually, that's where Grace is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't want to like, uh, like kick in the door and be like, hey, Grace, I know that you're still traumatized and stuff, but I have things to do now. No, I mean, Grace is Grace will be sleeping and stuff. She can still talk to Sylvia. Okay, then, yeah, I'll, I'll go and uh, see Sylvia real quick. Sylvia sees you come in and greets you and she says, uh, so, uh, how you doing with all your new responsibilities and stuff? Uh, you know, I'm trying to do okay. I'm sure I'm messing up constantly all the time, but you know, everything seems like it's in working order. There's five smiley faces in the corner of the screen, which means gotta be doing something right, right? That was gibberish to me, but um, it sounded good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's important as a politician, right? It just has to sound good. Oh, oh man, I don't know if I like you anymore. <laughs> We've just 180 on my whole opinion of you. Nah, it's cool. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'd make for a good politician. I tried to get like fitted for a mayor's sash and it just, it doesn't work. So I decided to get a flannel shirt instead. Okay, hold on. 
I'm like, she's dressed like a, like a Nirvana, char- <laughs> Nirvana character, like they're in a video game. Like <laughs> yeah, from the famous graphic novel, Nirvana. <laughs> What's, okay, hold on. What's Zoe's outfit as mayor? Because she has, uh, a, limp, she has a limp now. Uh, well, I was like, it needs to be what Zoe's interpretation to business casual would be. Because she's not, she doesn't really like dress like super fancy. So I imagine it's just like, um, like Seattle grunge scene, but with a tie. So can I just throw this out here? You're a young mayor wearing like flannel. Are you Ben Wyatt? Yes. I love this Ice Town clown. <laughs> the costuming department budget for the adaptation of this season is going to be totally fine until Zoe gets involved. And then it's just going to tank the entire project. They're going to take one look at all of the different outfits she wears and it's going to be totally out of the HBO's price range. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's take that shit to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, we like it, but can you add in a bunch of comic relief characters? Because this gets real sad in the middle. Well, that's good, because everything else you have on your freaking service gets really boring in the middle. So, ha. Fuck. Shots fired. No, yeah. They're like, hey, can we add the hand to this as <laughs> villain? <laughs> we know we think this could be better with some ninjas mm. in a big city. Suck it, Netflix. But my volume just totally... I said suck at Netflix, and my volume plummeted by 80%. Audacity did not like that. They know! But if you're not giving, like, perfect scores for Stranger Things, man, they're just coming after everyone. But back to the show we're doing. Uh, Sylvia says to you, Zoe, that she had a brief conversation with Grace about perhaps using her magic to start helping maybe fix the mirrors. Oh, that's, like, super awesome, great news. She says she doesn't know if it works exactly, but it's a possibility that is worth exploring. And this is, I'm actually going to talk about this out of character because it might take a while to like do it in character. But in episode 25, we had the big exposition dump where like the stakes were revealed and the, the all the world building and the multiple universes stuff, all of that came out. But prior to that, there was a lot of foreshadowing and hints. Some of it was obvious, like all the talk about true names I feel like in retrospect was pretty clearly hinting at something. And there was like a weird and there were like some weird smaller hints. Like one time Alice Hawthorne and Roland had a very small conversation about the concept of animism. The idea that everything, even like rocks, had souls, Mm -hmm. uh, which hints at the world of form stuff. But in, in retrospect, this is something Sylvia has realized recently is that her magic draws on the world of forms. Hmm. If you'll recall, I made a big deal about the way it worked. I, it was not like, oh, she's good at magic and she tells fortunes. I was extremely detail-oriented about the way that it was real and unreal, things being changed from some kind of non-physical state to a physical one, and she wasn't actually reading fortunes. She was, like, actualizing potential. And I, ba- I made it, like, very weirdly pretentious and, like, unnecessarily complicated. And it, it's totally fine if you thought that's just because Austin is a doofus. That is also true, but... I was going to say, like, that's not mutually exclusive there, so... Yeah, I'm definitely a doofus, but also that was all foreshadowing about the nature of the reality of Dice Funk, and is that her magic, which is taboo, and she got kicked out of her community for using because it was dangerous and too powerful, is because she is essentially channeling the world of forms, the non-physical realm that underpins the universe, and she can make things real and unreal, which is, seems powerful on its face, but now that you guys understand more about the universe, is like the, the implications are kind of staggering. There would just be like 
steam rising out of Zoe's ears after a while as she tries to comprehend it. <laughs> yeah, Sylvia says, like, I don't fully understand it. I just, it was just something I had the instincts to do, right? I didn't go to school for it. It's not allowed. It's just the world is weird, right? Like one day an apple hit a guy and he was like, gravity. And that's like that, but with ghosts for me. So how does that sort of make you feel to know what it's all about? It's kind of scary. Is it something you're comfortable with? I wish I was more confident in it. That's not going to stop me. I want to help. I'm going to try to help if I can put some mirrors back together. I'd like to. I I can't promise anything. I've never done anything like that before. But if the mirrors existed, then they were once real, which means there is an idealized version of them that exists somewhere. And it's not real in our world, but maybe I can make it that way again. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, about as much sense as it's going to make to me. Um, <laughs> That's fine. What can I do to help? Keep doing what you're doing. It's mostly just going to be me sifting through broken glass and hoping I don't fail everybody. But <laughs> as long as you, you know, keep everybody happy and fed and make sure we aren't overrun by giant hunters or whatever. Terrible stuff is waiting. Yeah, uh, that's that's my duty. So I'll do everything I can and you let me know how progress is going and if... You're not comfortable with it or anything like that. Just, you know, let's talk about it. Thanks again. I don't know if I assume people are thanking you, but I haven't said it. So I'm also I'm doing that now. This is me thanking you. Sorry, I'm awkward. I'm very tired. <laughs> I, I know all about being really awkward and no thanks are really necessary. Uh, um, well, you guys are having that conversation and a, a voice from across the room says, this is really good soup. Ah, who was that? <laughs> it's Grace. She just peeked her head out of the room and she's eating soup. Hi, Grace. How are you doing? I feel the worst I've ever felt and I just want to die, but I have soup and that's helping a little bit. How are you? I'm going to give her a hug. Oh, I'm doing a lot better now that you're awake. I'm sorry. I didn't. It, I I didn't know it was going to happen and I, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. We're going to do everything we can to try to get your dad back, Grace. She like looks like she has something she wants to say, but she's like incredibly overcome with shame and guilt. Hey, if you have something that's on your mind, just say it. You know, that's that's what Ilium's all about. We're, we're here to help each other. We don't need no stupid rainbow barrier to be a cool town of awesome people. It was my fault. No, it wasn't. It was. I let Dora in. I thought it was just going to be different. I thought she was just going to break it, and then we, my dad would just keep me safe, and we'd just maybe fly out the top, or I didn't know the whole thing was going to fall down like that. I didn't know she was going to get caught. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought it was going to be different. I had it totally pictured in my mind, and just none of that happened. Yeah, I, uh, I know what that's like. I, I thought it would go a lot differently than it did as well. I really kind of foresaw it ending with some big fight where I'd get to show off and be a big hero and then we'd protect Ilium and everybody would, I don't know, live happy ever after. That's kind of cliche, but I don't know. That's how I kind of saw it in my mind. And obviously that's not how it went at all. And she's going to kind of like motion towards the, uh, the cane in her hand a little bit. What's important though is recognizing what happened happened and figuring out what we can do to move on. And I know that sounds kind of 
really oversimplification for what's a lot of conflicting emotions right now. But just know that I've been there quite a few times since I got to Ilium, and uh, I'm here to help or just listen whenever you need it. Are you guys going to get Dora? Are you going to stop her? I don't know. I'm not really concerning myself with Dora right now. I'm concerning myself with protecting everyone inside of Ilium. Because now that the barrier is down, a lot of people are going to be coming here. So she's just going to get away with it? I didn't say that. I said it's not something I can really concern myself with. If that's what people want to do, I mean, that's what people want to do. But I still haven't fully settled on all my feelings about Dora quite yet. Guilt's kind of a powerful thing. <laughs> and I feel pretty guilty about not helping out Dora as much as I probably should have. We should get that on a shirt. Guilt is a powerful thing on the front and on the back. Justice is weird. <laughs> Those are our taglines. Put soup is good on there somewhere. It is. Have you tried it? It's cheesy broccoli. I might be allergic to broccoli. I forget what things I'm allergic to at this point. <laughs> yeah, your whole scene is basically an ever shifting torrent of chaos. Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> Finger guns. Okay. I'm going to go cry in bed a little bit more, and then I guess I'm going to help if I can. Sylvia says she's going to try to fix the mirrors. It might take, well, forever, but we got to try. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll keep digging through the rubble to try to get as many pieces as we can. No, all the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good mare, or what? I don't talk. I don't really talk to people. It's weird. And it's cool. And hey. Now, you don't have to have, like, books and jam delivered right to your door. You can just go to Winifred directly and get them. <laughs> she, like, closes the, pulls the door, closes a little bit behind her so you can't see into the room where there's just a hundred cookbooks laying all over the place. <laughs> she's just stolen every book in the house and she's made, like, a book fort out of it. <laughs> she says, yeah, Winifred's books. Gotta check that. Yeah, um... Not to self. Might be a kleptomaniac. Okay, <laughs> you get better. Do you eat that soup? A cheddar broccoli, it's good for the bones. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But I do no cure wounds. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Meanwhile. In hell. Hell yeah. Uh, Theodora, you are in the throne room of the Archdevil Zerael. Uh, what are you guys talking about? Bones. <laughs> just bones <laughs> what's it thinking about uh just bone stuff bone stuff you know blood fountains mm -hmm. eyeball accoutrement i don't know it's a very spooky halloween episode we're doing for the last we actually we record next week on halloween on halloween yeah this is our halloween eve episode sometime during your guys's some some of your talk about your aesthetics Zariel says so i just gotta ask what's with the two souls thing Huh? You have two souls. Did you eat one? Did you have a, a, a heavy soul breakfast? No, I just, um, like, I don't know. The avatar of, like, a, the god of abominations. That's a thing I've got going. I know you're the avatar of abominations. Does that come, come with a free periton soul? Oh, that soul. I don't know, man. There's just a lot going on. No, that's my bro. His name is Perry Mason. I'm going to whip him out. <laughs> okay. She's, she says, we have like a whole soul economy thing. So, you know, I, I can't let a soul go uncommented upon. 
Yeah, sometimes I just forget that he's like a separate soul and not just like my good bro. But no, he's like bonded to me and like he helps me do stuff. Oh, so it's a it's a tutelary spirit. Words. <laughs> I understand those words. This is out of character now. You may have thought, well, Austin just added this in because he loves JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Harry Potter and Persona. Uh, tutelary spirits are not a thing that those fr- media franchises invented. They're a religious thing. Mm. They exist in pretty much every culture. Um, she, however, knows much more about them than everyone you've met so far because devils collect souls. Uh, and so she says they come in many forms. Uh, pa- it appears that yours is a, a power animal, which is a feature of a number of spiritual systems. There's also, of course, the guardian angel, uh, the Karin from Islam. There's the the genius from Greco-Roman. There's familiars, which I think most people who know European fantasy are familiar with the idea of familiars for spellcasters. Uh, there's certain kami in Japanese mythology, like the Zuijin. Every culture has one. And it's cool that you have an extra soul that fights with you. I assume you're attached to it. That's not something you're looking to trade up or. I, I'm i very fond of him. Yeah. I mean, if you want to give me like a, an extra one, <laughs> sure. But I'm not going to give up my boy. It's very unusual to have more than one tutelary spirit. They represent the connection mortals have to the divine because, of course, gods don't intervene directly because. That's what you think. <laughs> most of the time it's considered uncouth uh most profane yeah it worked out pretty well for me she looked yeah she looks like she wants to say something but that bites her tongue no, 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 say it. i'm sure the eyeball is great she just like looks around as if she knows she's being watched he's very great um he sounds he's my favorite he sounds splendid yeah and my understanding is he has you here today uh, because you want to work together on a project? Uh, yeah, we need to figure out what this weird concept thing is. Yeah, you explained that the D&D multiverse is a, a physical world, and there is, in fact, a whole other world of the non-physical, and that they intersect, and one concept at a time bleeds over, uh, which, in our world, as players, is basic philosophy 101, Plato's world of forms, uh, Ferdinand de Saussure's semiotics. It's I don't want to talk down to anyone, but it's 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 a pretty basic thing in our world. But in the world of D&D, this is a huge novel concept for them uh, because they have affirmative proof that gods exist. And so they just thought they understood how the world worked. They never developed those kind of theories because you can just cast a spell that lets you talk to God. Uh, so they didn't really question any, any of it. So it is kind of earth shattering for her. And she has to think about it for a bit. And she says... Well, it's no wonder we weren't ever able to figure out what was going on. If if I understand correctly, these forms can manifest in any way. What if it, the form of water droplets <laughs> was the next one? How would we ever find it amongst all of the ones in the universe? It could be at the very bottom of the deepest ocean and we would just never find it. It could be the concept of, of a pleasant fragrance and it would just <laughs> be in the air forever like there's no way to isolate them it, it turns out the barrier as you call it the aurora was targeted by the gods because it was the first targetable form in maybe if not all of history at least the history i'm aware of looks the camera <laughs> history i'm aware of so 
I don't know if our luck is going to be so great this time, but if your aim is to find the next one, I guess all of the legions of hell constitute more than three eyes, which is all you and Ganador have between you. So you've come to the right place to look. Yeah, I figure, you know, it might not be easy, but I feel like between, you know, Ganny and me and, you know, all of hell, we could probably like figure it out, right? Now that we have access to at least a starting point, our search will probably be much more likely to succeed. I can't make any promises, but if I am to mobilize my forces for this and then to let you in on the hard-fought, hard-won secret, I'm going to need something in return. What do you need? Let's negotiate. Perhaps you know of my agent I sent to Ilium. Name? (laughs) What's the name? She went by Lady Nim. Oh, that's not a great noise. Why'd you make that noise? Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but she is very dead. I assumed it was something like that since she has not reported in. What happened? I didn't see a lot of it. Uh, a fight broke out at Tarsus, but I think in the end what did her in is a shark fell out of the sky and landed on her. I'm sorry, is this some sort of prime material joke? No, uh, there was a sorcerer in the room with, um, we, whatever she casts a spell, like, weird shit happens. It's, like, it's some glitchy-ass magic. I don't know, glad I don't have it. So wait, to be clear, you're pinning the full blame on Zoe Legrand, because there's a couple different people who were there, and there's blame to go around. I'm, I'm f- trying to frame it as an accident. Zariel's not interested in that. <laughs> Isn't Nim part of... Z- Dora as well because she's been absorbed into Ganador or that's that's what I'm saying there's a lot of blame to go around Roland cut Nim's hands off Zoe blasted her and dropped a shark on her and then Ganador ate Nim so you could justifiably blame Ganador you could blame Zoe you could blame Roland you could blame all of the avant-garde there's there's plenty of blame to go around which is why I'm asking does Theodora throw Zoe under the bus Yes, but Dora's not intentionally trying to throw her into the bus. She just is like, hmm, can't blame Ganny because that's not cool. Uh, A shark. Great, a shark. Okay, well, Zariel says, this sorcerer, what's her name? Ah, shit. Well, uh, don't want to lie to you because you're like, you know, you're you. Mm Mm-hmm. Her name is Zoe, but I don't think it was on purpose. She really wasn't trying to crush her with a shark. Like, it's really, it's really, she didn't know it was going to happen. If she can kill Nim, she can take responsibility. I mean, I fucked her up real good. And I appreciate that. But if she killed Nim, then here's what's going to happen. If you want my help, if you want hell on your side to accomplish your mission, then what I need is for you to bring me Zoe Legrand. I want to eat her still-beating heart as she watches. <sighs> I, I like that, like, an episode ago, Dora was like, height of evil, kill everyone. Sure, yeah, I'm committed to evil. And now it's like, uh, oh, no. Okay, I met the devil. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. This, mm, Evil. <laughs> she is quantifiably the ninth most evil being in existence. (laughs) (laughs) 
kind of kind of contextualizes uh, Dora somewhat. So, what do you say to Zarael's offer? I had to say yes. Not a choice. I mm. I want to be clear. In a D and D sense, you do have a choice. In a D and D sense, I have a choice. But from a Dora's characterization stance, Dora's not like thrilled. But at this point, she's not going to disappoint Ganadar. Well, like, Ganadar's gonna be like, like, if she knows I did it, what is she gonna do? She can't kill me. Like, Dora would not blame Ganadar. She wouldn't put him on blast like that, ever. Mm-hmm. Well, also, just then Zeriel wouldn't work with you, and then you'd have to t- literally go from, like, rock to rock throughout the entire multiverse, trying to figure out if any of them were the perfect rock. Right. Let, let's be clear, by the way. There's only one perfect rock, and his name is Dwayne Johnson. That's true. Yes, it is. That's very true. Um, <laughs> so you accept Zariel's proposal? Yep. All right. So you probably want to like prepare. Are you, you are you just going to fly back into Ilium and try to kidnap her? No, I'm going to have a little hell vacation. I deserve it. I deserve a good <laughs> a good rest uh-huh. <laughs> after all the hard work I've done. So I'm going to do a scenic tour of hell. All right. So you kick your feet up. You're going to go on a little... You're going to backpack through hell. You're going to sip little umbrella drinks as you walk past all of the fields full of tormented souls. And you yeah. get the cucumber thing on your eyes, but they're on fire. Yeah, exactly. All right. I, I, <laughs> I go shopping at hell's premier shopping mall. Yeah. A hell in D&D is basically like Dante's Inferno. There's a bunch of layers and each one's kind of unique. Like there's an ice one. There's a fire one. There's a fleshy blood one. And it's it's gross and weird, but you can chill there if you want. So it's like evil Shrek. Because all the layers. I'm sorry. Could you say that phrase again? I really enjoyed that <laughs> phrase. Evil Shrek. Mm, that goes down real smooth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, anybody else want to say it? I just, I'm really digging the sound of it. Evil Shrek. It's like my cellar door. You guys have heard that, right? Cellar door is the most pleasing phrase. Shrekident evil. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, it's very good. All right, is anything interesting happening on the boat? You guys had a a bit of time to just sit and admire the sunset, heal up. I like to think we're eating finger sandwiches. Nice. The, they don't have. They don't provide finger sandwiches on the boat. But you guys are basically like super Nazis, and they're like, "Well, we gotta. If we have any finger sandwiches, we gotta give them over because you guys could just <laughs> decide people needed to get thrown overboard at any point, and they wouldn't be able to stop you." Oh, so we're like healed, and we have all our spells back. And if you guys take a little nap, yeah. Okay, I definitely want to take a nap. <laughs> okay, so you guys are all sleeping, and actually, what wakes one of you up first? Both Mara and Roland are awakened by the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that is a feeling of spreading warmth. And as you guys kind of like bleary eyed, like feel around to figure out what's going on, you both are sitting in a puddle of blood. Ah. So why? I'm also quite concerned that I've not woken up in this puddle of blood. <laughs> yeah. That's because what is happening is, as you guys discover, the source of the blood is your holy symbols, the ones on your sword, Roland, and the ones on hmm. whatever you use as your spellcasting focus, Mara. Uh-huh. Those symbols of Tear, Torm, and Illmater are bleeding. Well, what I rolled and know why that's happening. Religion, one assumes. 26 from Roland on his religion check. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no point in... Oh. 13. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, 26, Roland, you know, because you rolled better than I thought you could, that that's not a good sign. There are some gods which blood is a good or right. uh, holy thing. Like if you worship like a god of war or something, that might just be like, sure, it's go time. Uh, for a god of justice and duty, it doesn't seem to have any particular significance, but suffering which is right. Ilmater is the god of, that is a pretty telltale sign that there is an immense amount of suffering going on. Uh. Something very bad is happening, and specifically something very bad for Ilmater or Ilmater's concerns. Within the, with, on the ship itself. No, just, I mean, you, oh, in general. That you don't know. It could, I mean, Ilmater could be very sad about a baseball game or something, <laughs> but you, you assume it's a broader scope. Is he also a Giants fan? <laughs> I know what it's like, Elmater, but just remember the good times. 42 and 46 weren't that long ago. Roland's going to have a mix of emotions there, but it, it's a mixture of like concern, but there's a small bit of almost comfort because, in essence, this is some minor form of communication from Ilmater. Valtari's asleep, but just like out of character. If anyone walks over and sees all this blood, just 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 be like, yeah, yeah, drinking it, delicious drinking blood. Yes. Oh no, I spilled my blood bag. I forgot you guys were supposed to be vampires. That's a really good cover. Exactly. We we accidentally rolled over while sleeping and burst a like spare blood bag or something. See, <laughs> your Capri g- Sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I sat in my Capri Sun. <laughs> Should we wake up Veltari? Veltari continues to snore. Do you think she'd like all this blood? Should we show her? <laughs> I, I don't think that's quite necessary right now. Okay, just trying to be hospitable. <laughs> hey, Veltari, look at all my blood. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So if you if you guys want to have some time passage, Veltari wakes up. Um, is there anything else you guys want to do before you get there? Because you guys have created a situation in which no one's going to mess with you, which means nothing is going to happen to you on the boat. So you've. I'm just like enjoying the fact that I have some time to like not fuck things up or have to think about stuff. So I think Veltari is good just just having a good sleep. Yeah, I think Mara's very sleepy. Roll, like Roland is appreciative of having a long sleep because you know he he got taken down to death uh, to zero hit points once and then nearly taken down a second time in the same day, so his body was weary and despite you know the disconcerting nature of the blood, um, if anything, like I said, it makes him feel almost resolved to see this through because it shows that one. The triad is active, and they are in some way in touch with him. And secondly, where they're going, they they should be going to because it is an affront to if anyone, Illmater in particular, which you know, Roland, Roland particularly likes Illmater. He's good. He's a, he's a good he's a he's a good bloody boy. <laughs> All right. So on the horizon, you guys can see Akamoros, which is. A pretty sizable island. It has um, both the big main city where you're going. It has some outlying stuff. It's kind of been, as it's been mentioned previ- in previous seasons as a location. It's kind of a a callback. Callback. <laughs> it is a callback. Yeah. It's it's specific. Uh, 
it's where Ronaldo from season one is from, and he has, he was basically Zorro. Yeah, so it's like Spain. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of a way to talk about it without being like, it's fantasy Spain. But it's fantasy Spain. It's a little bit fantasy Spain, yeah. So there's, you know, <laughs> I'm wary about getting into stereotypes, right? Like, I don't want to be like, you guys pull up into the harbor and there's bulls running by. That's crazy. You want some paella? Like, let's... <laughs> I mean, I do want some paella. I, I do as well. That's not what Spain's like at all. Oh, okay, Chris, tell us. I was there. It's cool. There's a street named after my family. Awesome. Well, that's where you start. <laughs> yeah, you start at uh, Street de Larios. I forget what the word for sp- Spanish word for street is. Calle? Yeah, isn't it Calle? That, that doesn't make sense. All right. Guys, you weren't there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys are approaching Acamoros, a lively city. It's uh, pretty well off. There's a lot of like nobility here, people who have business interests all over the world. The streets are like packed with vendors. There are Order of the Merciful Sword people here, but fewer. Because while Danto does work out of here, uh, he mostly imports those workers from Agrathen, which is kind of the more religious community. So you don't get quite the totalitarian feel. They are there, but it's it's a little bit of a different atmosphere. I don't know if you want to take that into account or anything, but that's what you guys see. The boat pulls up to the harbor. They tie it to the dock. Everyone like nods at you. They're, everyone gives you a wide berth. You basically have full freedom of movement. I'm outie. Also, Veltaria has been here. This is where she worked out of for a while, so you have, there's zero need for any kind of like roles or anything. Streetwise, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the kin that's the the parallel to Streetwise in fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Roland's going to ask Veltari almost right away. Is there a location we can go to where we can have a bit of well more isolation so we can talk over some strategy? I was thinking the same because there's a couple of ways we could maybe approach this. Um, out of character, Austin, is there somewhere that Veltari is aware of that would work for this purpose? Yep. You actually know that Danto used to operate out of a, a safe house, basically, for like rough types and criminals. And you could go there, uh, not as Order of the Merciful Sword people, probably, but as Veltari. Yeah. In that case, I'm going to suggest, yeah, I I will ter- like, you know, get rid of the armor so that we can go there. And Beltari can be the one rocking up like, hey, what up? <laughs> yeah, I'm the. if you go to the safe house, it's like kind of a beat up old, basically it's a drug house, <laughs> but there's like a basement uh, room and stuff you can use. That's where Danto used to be. This isn't like a place where reputable people go, like the the police stay out of there. So you you can operate with kind of impunity. Um, if you guys want to go there, you're, you have to ditch the armor first so you don't get stabbed to death. Yep, that that is definitely my intention. All right, but if they see you, you have a reputation, they just nod. They're like, oh, Veltari's here. Yeah. And they throw you a key. I must say, it feels good to be back in a place where people know Veltari the badass has has walked into town. It's a, it's a nice feeling. It's a bit of a rock star feeling. Your p- reputation precedes you in the underworld <laughs> of Akamoros. Look, here's here's how I think we 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 play this whole thing with with Donto at least at first. Um, as long as we've made it back here before word of anything being up has made it back to Donto, Donto trusts me. Like me and me and Donto had a good thing going. Uh, we we had a reliable enough working relationship that I'm pretty sure if I if I turn up and spin a story like. Hey, couldn't get Bombershoot. 
this guy is the reason why, and, you know, point over at you, Roland, I'm pretty sure that, like, we could get in that room with Donto having his guard down, at least his guard down to me. And then I'll be like, ooh, I'm ready to be a vampire. I guess my position is, if we are going towards Donto, we have to be prepared for the possibility that a fight's going to break out and we're going to have to fight Donto and whoever's immediately in the nearby area. Yeah. If the deception is seen through, then he's going to view you as a betrayer. He's going to view us as a threat. And that means all three of us are going to try to take us down. And if that happens, then there's a chance that we're just going to be turned into vampires unless we have some other way of going after him. So I kind of want to try casting Commune, which is a spell I've not tried casting yet because... I feel like I could benefit from asking a couple of questions of a deity and getting... I think there's a couple of things that would be very useful to know before going to fight Danto. I'm incredibly interested in that idea. Okay, so I, you know, light my incense and uh, pour out a vial of either holy or unholy water and... I guess this is a question. What deity would Veltari be trying to contact? Mm-hmm. I, that sounds like a character choice for Veltari. Yeah. Why don't you tell us what exactly Commune is for people who aren't familiar with D&D? Yeah. So for people who aren't aware of Commune, it is a spell that allows you to, in-universe, you're contacting a deity, uh, and in the game rules, basically, you ask the DM up to three questions that are answered with a yes or no answer. Uh, you have one minute to do this in, and you receive a correct answer for each question. So you can basically get three yes or no answers from the DM. All right. And you can cast it as a ritual, which means if you take the time to do fancy stuff, like, you know, make it your summoning circle, some full metal alchemist stuff, it doesn't cost anything. So Right. It's a 10. It would be t- 11 minutes to cast it as a ritual. I I don't feel like we're in any rush down here. We're, we seem to be being given some space. So... Yep, I, w- I want to cast this ritual, and... Uh, we haven't established any chaotic neutral deities this season, um, so I don't know that would make sense necessarily for you to be like, man, I'm suddenly very into the- this chaotic neutral deity. So my in- my intuition is for you to just use one of the triad because you've gotten close to Roland, and that feels like, hey, buddy, can I borrow your god real quick? Yeah, like, my, my-, my gut says maybe Illmater because... That is the god that I seem to understand vaguely what their deal is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I get to ask Illmater three yes or no questions, which presumably... uh, Divine beings may not be omniscient. I don't know if Illmater is omniscient or not, but we will find out. All right, so your summoning circle and your holy water on the floor, everything starts glowing, and it's like you've opened up your, your line. You've Skyped into God. Right, okay. I'll put in the old AOL sound here. I was going to say, like, you're going to do like, some sort of, like, the, what, the door opening sound or the other AOL no. sounds? <laughs> oh, you're... Yeah, 56k deity, you got it, okay. Yep. This is your boy Illmater, what's up? <laughs> and it's not Winifred, it's a different boy. <laughs> if the three of us went to Danto as we are now with our current plan, and attempted to fight Danto head-on, 
without any further preparations, would we be likely to win? Yes. Hmm. That I, I I feel I feel like I'm kind of wasting this now having like two extra questions to use because I'm like oh, well uh, we're likely to win hooray why, why don't you ask questions about yourself in fact maybe ask questions about something that relates to Veltari's character arc a little bit <laughs> just get the lottery numbers in there real quick maybe a zodiac let's just <laughs> am I likely to succeed and survive without making any changes to how I'm currently acting. Your question is, with the way I'm going, am I likely to survive? Yes. Okay, because I feel like this is this might seem nitpicky or overly literal genie talk, but no one survives. Mm. Like on a long enough timeline. Like the answer to that is no. You're, there's nothing you can change that you'll survive life. Yeah, and the problem being, like, getting only a yes or no answer, like, I feel like that's a question that Valtari would ask with her current... You're basically, you're trying to get reassurance about your life choices, yeah. and he just hits you with, like, yo, everyone dies. And I'm aware that the answer there that I get from Ilmeda being no is, you know, it's a grand scheme of things answer, but I'm suspect it's probably not the reassurance that she somewhat expected it to be so one last try at getting this question asked right for the recording <laughs> with the way that things are currently going with the changes i've made to myself am i likely to survive no and the holy water on the floor turns into blood Okay, I have one question remaining. Is water with you? Yes. And the light goes out of the summoning circle. Now, these questions were these questions spoken verbally or were they They appeared in Veltari's mind because I'm imagining a scenario in which like someone fucking eavesdrops on a priest and it's pretty rude. <laughs> As this all ends, uh, Veltari's going to take a second just to compose herself because obviously that second question she went into kind of hoping like, yeah, hooray, I'm going to, you know, get some reassurance that everything's going to be fine. And that's not what she got. But after a second to sort of compose herself, she's going to turn to Roland and just say, I spoke to Ulmata. Water is with them. Roland is Roland's actually like, visually taken aback by that statement and revelation and even settles back on the nearest chair with it with a hand by the side of his head as he thinks on that mara's gonna hug beltari in slightly more relevant you know <laughs> news the stuff that i uh you know actually called up the code for um apparently if we go fight donto as we are now we probably will be fine like we can probably handle going and dealing with Danto with the plan we have in mind and the way we are right now. We're probably good. Does, um, Austin, does Mara, has Mara heard about Stellarosa? Yeah, Mara, you know Stellarosa. She's basically the Beyonce of Akamoros at this point. Okay, um, so then Mara's gonna be like, yeah, the only, the only factor I, uh, am concerned about is if that magician is there. Well, 
He's got like some powerful lady. I I asked a god whether if we went to Danto, you know, with our current plan as we are now, we they said we'd probably be fine. So okay, you know, I my my read on that is that we, you know, probably won't get interrupted by by anyone anyone that's a problem, and everything will probably be okay. Yeah, I feel much better. Thanks. All right, so you guys ascend from the basement and go over to the noble house that used to be Bumbershoot Von Victrola's ancestral home. Um, outside, uh, there are a number of guards patrolling the high fence that surrounds the entire estate, but you guys are dressed in your civilian clothes. Roll is back in his regular armor. You know, he doesn't look like one of them because he's being escorted in by Valtari, so. Yeah, uh, so the guards see you guys coming, and one of them says... Uh, tiefling, guitar, sword. You're Beltari, right? Yep. Glad to be back in a place where people recognize the name and the fame. <laughs> I wish I recognized you. Unfortunately, uh, I haven't had the pleasure yet. It's just there's standing orders that if you came back, we're supposed to let you and your guests in. Uh, and apparently, you go if you go to the front desk, there's a bag of gold waiting for you. Nice. Ah, oh, forget. It's it's been long enough. I forgot that there was even a financial uh, incentive to this. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll head right over. Thanks. All right. Well, I'll get the tailors. If you guys, uh, if you have anything in particular you want for your dinner jackets, uh, oh, uh, d- dinner jacket will be it will be good for me. I I don't think it'll be necessary for this one. He's uh, probably not going to be around <laughs> long enough to to need it. <laughs> he winks at you and he says, "All right. Uh, I'll let I'll let Danto know you're coming. Uh, have a good have a good dinner." Mara's gonna whisper, "I like purple." can can we get purple for this one of course perfect anything for Danto's number one assassin Uh, this this town knows how to treat me right (laughs) the last thing I want to talk about this week before we leave or ride off into that sunset before we go back into cryo sleep then we'll come back to finish this fight <laughs> with Master Chiefs. Yes. Uh, Zoe Legrand, you're doing your mayor stuff. The scene I want to have in mind is that Sylvia is basically set up like a little kiosk outside of the rubble where people are working. She's like help feeding the people. Claire and the Lilies are bringing drinks out. Like everyone's working together. Got peace and harmony in the town. A lot of camaraderie and friendship. And Zoe, I we talked about your character sheet a little earlier, but I think there's a detail that I want to get on tape for everyone so that those who don't go to Patreon and download and read them will know this. Uh, we've had a couple changes to a specific thing, and we have probably the last one. Yeah, so uh, one thing to note is that Zoe's alignment has changed again, uh, and this time it is reverted back to being neutral good. The last time it changed was when Zoe was having her... A crisis of faith and taking on Gondor's power and moving into being a more chaotic person. But I believe at this point, she has quite learned that chaos isn't always the best way to get things done in a healthy manner. And she is moving back. And uh, I suppose it's worth noting that Zoe's uh, character arc, as it says, can be kind of neatly put into a three-act structure just following the alignment changes, basically. So, mm-hmm. Writer high five, Chris. Good job. We- yeah. <laughs> Woo! We did it. I did everything I needed to. I could ride off into that sunset foreshadowing yeah <laughs> let's just yell literary terms uh, uh illusion deus ex machina ex depassion detext in media res Chekhov's wild magic table wait no that's not a real 
literary turn. I'm going to cast a wind wall five times. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, although it's worth noting, I think all of the characters that the players got to take a little bit of control of have been neutral good. Mara Sladen is neutral good. Mardis Valamin is neutral good. And Claire Elise Legrand is neutral good. All the added characters, I guess, so far have all been neutral good. That's an interesting coincidence. I'm actually surprised I was reading that, that Claire was neutral good. I just went with that because she's literally a clone of Zoe, so she kind of has to follow the same alignment from her. That makes sense. I mean, there are individuals. She could go and she could have undergone a crazy different arc and be a totally different person. But you've been very nice and supportive. And so is a lot of other people. I'm actually <laughs> surprised when I put Shadow Clone on the Wild Magic. I literally thought it was going to be like a Dark Link situation where you get to like the end of a Zelda game. And then it's like oh. a mean version of you comes out and you fight and then it's over. I th- and I had to beat him with the Megaton Hammer. Oh, that would have been sweet. I literally thought that's what was going to happen. I didn't know she was going to be like a fully fledged realized character. But you guys have really uh to my expectations it's cool that's what happens we have characters like roland and zoe on the other side of it who are not just going to be like oh shit it's an evil thing we got to kill it it's like but the secret you didn't know is that air elemental was hella complex <laughs> oh i know i wanted to become friends with it now i had a full eight so page. that's why i'm casting Windwall five times i'm trying to create a new one <laughs> once you said eight page i'm like wait a minute Eight page. You didn't even do eight pages for this campaign to start with, let alone for a single character. That's how complex this era mental was going to be. <laughs> uh, so you guys are all working together uh, right now. People are making sure to get all the shards of glass they can out of the rubble, and Sylvia is going to try some magic on them. I think Grace is probably in the background. She's like in a big uh, blanket, <laughs> just trying to hold it together and recover. Um, Sylvia actually walks up to you, Zoe, and says, "Hey, I noticed a weird thing earlier." Yeah. Was it the elephant? I'm totally numb to all your wild magic shenanigans. <laughs> they don't even register anymore. Okay, because I cut my finger earlier and it didn't stop bleeding. Okay, that is slightly <laughs> concerning. Are you sure that's wild magic and not just your body has given up? Oh, that'd be really bad if it's the latter. Let's hope it's wild magic. Okay, well, I'll, we'll put a pin in that. That's <laughs> something to think about. What I was going to say was, I did a, a reading this morning, a, or... I wasn't getting, I don't know if signal is the right word, but now that the barrier is down, I'm getting Hierophant and Devil in my readings. Oh, so that's Roland and Veltari then. Yeah, and from what I can tell, they've met up with Temperance, and they're about to cross paths with the Emperor and the Star. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Why are you asking me? They're your friends, your coworkers. I don't know how close you guys are. I assume that they're going to do the thing they came there to do, which is to rescue Roland's friend and stop that vampire dude person. Okay. I don't know if those cards are good, though. Yeah, I don't either, which is why I thought it was probably important to tell you, but now you know. Emperor sounds really scary. <laughs> Star, not as much, but still kind of scary. Yeah, Emperor definitely sounds boss-like. <laughs> yeah, sounds like like a really big thematic final opponent kind of thing it'd be it'd be a shame if the emperor went down in one attack and left uh, left as a very unsatisfying boss fight yeah that'd be really fable two way of doing things <laughs> oh we're p- putting St- peter molyneux on blast this episode i love it take that pete it's funny chris and i did not collaborate at all on Stellarosa's backstory or anything i do love that the way it worked out in the tarot theming she turned out to be the star because stella is 
means star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's completely coincidental. I'm pretty sure that you were very satisfied when that aligned right there. You know, I was very smug. My smugness can be felt from orbit. Listen, I I could just I could sense it every time that those things just line up perfectly. So, mm-hmm. all right. So alignment changed. Uh, community bonded. Things are going pretty well. Martis, you're there. Is there anything you guys want to do particularly before uh, we go on with our day here? Well, at some point, Martis is probably going to at least show up at Sylvia's because since he has lived with Grace the longest out of anyone in town, mm-hmm. um, as soon as she kind of got out of her ice cocoon, Martis is going to be keeping an eye on her and making sure that she is as well as she can be, given the circumstance. I, I like that. Martis can definitely help out in other ways, but I think you'd probably be most useful comforting Grace. Um, you guys are all kind of together, and everyone's getting to know Grace and Martis because they've been newly introduced, and I think they probably get along reasonably well with everybody else. So, you guys are socializing, basically, as while people are working as well, um, when suddenly you hear someone running towards you uh, yelling, Hey, everybody, the soldiers are coming this way. Soldiers? There's a bunch of them. They're in armor, and I got, like, a million swords. Way more swords than they need. How far away are they? Over by my house. They're, they're, they just came out of the sky. Wait a minute. I'm going to cast haste on myself and run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wild magic. Uh, Mardis is going to be air-aspected and have Longstrider casted himself, so he's actually going to be, I think, Almost as fast as Zoe, but not quite. Do you you want to roll wild magic, Chris? Twelve, lucky twelve. <laughs> Every time's lucky number. It's never lucky though. Is the thing I had to. P- it's always lucky. I had to pull the sheet up because I wasn't expecting this. You weren't expecting this. I'm gonna cast luck uh, haste two more times. Uh, fucking Wolf and uh, Penny get to also be. Super I'm gonna fast. cast Zoe's butt explodes. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, for your wild magic, you get a. And this is a quote from my wild magic table. Jaunty mustache. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. Do I get the Uncle Pennybags mustache? Obviously. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, what a day. Well, this was, I have a feeling this next scene was going to be almost heartwarming, but now we got a jaunty mustache inserted into it. So now all bets are off. Can I also then speak with a bad British accent? I think you can do that irrespective of the mustache. We know there, gents. What y'all doing in more neck of the woods there? Pip, pip. No, save that for season seven. <laughs> we need that voice. For uh, the British season? Yeah, it's the all British season. <laughs> um, so Mardis and Zoe run off to see the soldiers who have just arrived, not only in town, but in town from the sky. Mm. And as you see them on the horizon, there's about uh, a dozen of them. They are a ladrin, which are fancy elves with no pupils. They have two swords crossed on their back. They're in autumnal armor, I would say. Lots of reds and yellows. Mm-hmm. And they are led by an elderly woman who marches ahead of them, who with a determined look on her face is coming right towards you with uh, just radiating authority and power and competence. And she's a little intimidating, even beyond being a heavily armed soldier. <laughs> Mardis is... Reaction once he gets kind of close enough to see everyone and probably be in earshot of the woman leading all the Aladrin is simply, uh, uh, Grandma, uh, wait, 
What are you doing here? The woman who is Sildiel Valamin, Mardis's grandmother and a NPC from season two, says in an authoritative tone, your dad sent us. We're here to help you. How have you been? Have you eaten? You look thin. Uh, uh, well, uh, is this what parents are like? Well, technically a grandparent, but, um... It's been a whole year. You look pale. Have you been out in the sun? You need some sun. Come on. And she just grabs you and she doesn't even break stride and she's marching you away as the soldiers stay in formation behind you and are just marching. Wait, wait. What's with all the soldiers? You said you were in danger. We're here to help. Uh, it's a little more complicated than I could have expressed in 25 words along with apologies. Uh... Your dad sends his love. He's very busy. The Archmage's council is in session, but I'm here. We'll fix everything. Is this your leader? Hello, my name's Sildiel. She holds out a hand to Zoe. Your hand feels like parenting. <laughs> it's so weird and new. She says, Zoe, uh, where, where should we be stationed? Do you have a, a barracks? Do you have an outpost? What's going on here? Uh, no, we, we don't have a lot. This was a pretty simple town before... I guess kind of before I came here. But regardless of that, uh, I don't think we really have barracks, and I'm not really sure what you're stationing here for. I sent a message to my to my dad, Zoe, and my dad's kind of a he's, a... he's an important person back home. He's what's called an archmage. So uh, I told him that there was danger nearby, but I was with friends and family, and all, the message I got back when I contacted him was just, Help is on the way, and, well, this looks to be it. Sildiel says, Mayor, this is the most elite Bladesinger unit in the, all of the Feywild. You're under our protection now. We have a lot of work to do. Where should we start? To do what? I mean, is this also the elite scavenging unit to lift up rubble and find mirror shards? Because that's kind of what we need right now. It can be that. It could also be the protection from... Outsiders, it can be the establishing farms, it can be the proliferating the knowledge of advanced technology, it can be many units. I feel like this is when Zoe just got hit with a like a telltale situation where she had to pick one thing to assign them to, like, uh. and she's also like <laughs> jittering with haste on the spot, and her mustache is wobbling. The physics aren't quite right in the engine. Uh, it, 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 while she's thinking about that, um, you said a year is what you said, Grandma. Yeah, you went off on your mission. Well, time flows differently between here and the Feywilds. Right, right, right. But that's that's how long it's been from your perspective. Um, uh, at least as far as I've been able to been able to tell, I've been well stuck here for fifty years, not a year. Oh, I'm sure you have plenty of stories. Come on, let's go. And she like throws her arm around you and starts leading you away and says. I'm sure you have all kinds of wonderful... Zoe's actually going to like kind of put her foot down mm -hmm. uh, physically. That's probably not as intimidating as she'd want it to be. But she says, hold on. A lot of the people in this town were here because they were being hunted by people outside. And if you and your blade singers or blade talkers or whatever they are just show up with armed weapons and everything like that, you're going to put a lot of people off nerve. So... If we're doing this, then you're doing it under my rules. And my rule says you stay here until I can talk to everyone in town about this. She turns on her heel, looks at you with a kind of severe matronly look on her face. Sorry. Narrows her eyes a little bit and says, you're in charge. And then she gives a hand signal to her troops and they fall back. She says, uh, 
All right, little mare, whatever you say goes. Oh, wow. I was like expecting, okay, yeah, no, that's right. That's how things normally go because I'm an authoritative mayor and things I say work. That's that's the normal thing for me. Right. <laughs> We're here to help you. What do you need? I guess right now, just uh, tell your people to stand down and relax for a moment and let me see what everyone in town thinks. Just, just don't, uh, don't, don't mess with the element. Also, don't fall into the shark tank. I told him not to eat people, but I don't think he really grasped that. I think he's just gonna think your food needs you. This is a very strange town, isn't it, Martis? Uh, you still don't know the half of it. Yeah, I only just grew this mustache. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does anybody have a good line to end on? Gotta go tell everybody what's going on. Then cast haste on myself and run back. Are you? I can't tell if you're joking. No, 15. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (coughs) When in doubt, wild magic. Mm, God. You weren't expecting it in in the span of this little scene here, and you got it twice. It just... I... I just set traps for myself, and then I get mad when I fall into my own traps, right? I'm just, like, (laughs) the world's shittiest predator, and I just keep shooting myself in the face with my shoulder beam. You're just Team Rocket. You keep falling into your own pit holes, you you dig. I don't even know what this means anymore. I wrote this a long time ago. It says, create new species. (laughs) (laughs) What? What like what like what is that even supposed to mean? How, what were you thinking when you wrote Do that? Do I become the new species? You? Do new species uh, spawn near me? Does Zoe get to create a new species? Like does she just stop and just suddenly like a uh, the spore interface pops up and she just gets to start playing spore until she makes something new? You're gonna be put on blast too, Will Wright, creator of spore. <laughs> I think we're gonna find out what the hell that means next week. <laughs> As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme music, including Vampire Spanker, an arrangement of Vampire Killer from Castlevania, and Destiny Forgotten, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts. Executive producers for the month of October 2017 are Kerstin Haslinger, Jade, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, The Cult of Gorfnax, Dr. Goatman, Irving Royale, Ken Fursell, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Levi the Young, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Kevin Dobbins, Anthony Sauvier, Rip Van Winkle, George Soros, Arjun DeConing, Grimlock, John Potts, Dawson Parr, Noah Sudret, Ziphasurus, Elderly Goose, Salad Child, Seraph Stone, Thorsten Gross, Devin Smith, Castor UK, 
Aki Savalainen, the Paladin's wife, Florian H., Charm Wilkie, Komano, the Kumenu, Rebecca James, Dominic Bowden, Melissa Nielsen, Don, Eugene T., Connor Reynolds, Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol, Francois V., Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefsen, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bankston, Josh Mosier, Indigo Van Dane, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marzing, Just a Jester, Sevarden Akrasimova, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stuhlfarer, Sean, the host of Funk Dunk Plays, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. You can join this list by supporting the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski. You can also find Chris at patreon.com slash recap, And you can support Laura by reading her work at kotaku.co.uk. You can support the show indirectly by finding us on places like iTunes, Podbean, and Google Play, and liking, commenting, rating, and subscribing to us. Now that you've made it to the end of these credits, congratulations, and let me let you in on a little secret. I have no idea what's going to happen. This entire campaign has gotten wildly out of control. I thought the final boss was either going to be Warden Light or Lady Nim, and they killed one and they befriended the other. Theodora's evil, everyone's unconscious or taken prisoner. It's real, it's gotten real wild. The wheels came off real fast there, folks. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe someday we'll do a season about a group of heroes who fight an unambiguously evil person and then they save the day by punching real hard.